0: Welcome to the QAV Investing Podcast. This is episode 435, recorded on the 30th of August 2021. This week on the show, we have some big news. We talk about some minor errors we've fixed in the checklist in the Bible. Tony's Paul pork this week is on COG. We explain the ASX's cash flow anomaly from last week. Tony talks about some recent regression testing he's done on selling when the QAV score hits 0.5 and on using ROE in our checklist. He talks about shell scenario planning frameworks, whether or not we should discount sentiment for companies with a small float, which part of the cycle Tony thinks the market is in and whether or not, quite frankly, it matters, MYE's falling QAV score, the sell line for CDD, the buy line for CAA, and how Tony treats REITs, real estate investment trusts, when he's doing the checklist. If you're brand new, to listening to QAV. Um, I'm just going to take a minute to explain what you're getting yourself into here. If you've listened before, you know the deal. Just fast forward for a minute. Uh, So this is a podcast we've been doing for a few years. Tony is a very old friend of mine, very, very successful investor. Um, And what I learned a few years ago is that he has a system for how he invests. The reason why his investment returns have been as good as they have for the last 30 years is he's developed a methodology. So what we do on this podcast is Tony teaches us his methodology. Um, There's a premium version and there's a free version each week. The premium version normally goes for half an hour to an hour uh, longer. The free version is about half an hour. It's basically a trailer. This is the teaser version. We actually have a premium service we call QAV Club. Where club members get access to the premium version of the podcast They get to ask questions, they get to go to meetups And they're in a private Facebook group And la they get access to the Bible and the checklist And all of the tools that we use to invest But right now, you don't have to worry about that Sit back, listen to the free version of the podcast One thing you will learn, though, is that um, we kind of assume in these podcasts That our club members know a lot of the basics and the terminology And the framework and the system so, if you're listening for the first time, a lot of it may be confusing. There's a lot of jargon, a lot of lingo, jingo, Django. I don't know whatever it's called. Don't worry about that. You'll you'll get enough out of it. Um, but if if you decide you want to learn Tony's system, go to our website and uh, take out take up the free two week trial for QAV Club, and you'll get access to all the all the good stuff. And you can decide then whether or not you want to keep doing it. Okay, with that, uh, without any further ado, uh, here's this week's episode. Enjoy.
1: <coughs> cog, cog, <Yeah>. cog.
0: <laughs> Welcome back to QAV Seafood Kynaston, episode four thirty-five, <laughs> recorded on the thirtieth of August 2021. How you doing, Seafood? Seafood. I'm good. Sifu, <laughs> S-I-F-U, that's what in our Kung Fu classes we call our teacher, our master. You're the Sifu of this dojo. <laughs> oh,
1: I don't know about that. Jenny's probably the Sifu here.
0: <laughs> oh, well, she's not in the dojo. You're the, you're right. the grand master of uh,
1: QAV. <laughs> and you're the grasshopper.
0: I'm the grasshopper. Yeah,
1: I'm can the fill white a, guy. The white guy with uh- going <laughs> <laughs> to fill a tub with boiling water and put two dragons on the outside of it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm the am the grasshopper, and I have the scars to prove it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that great Mad Magazine takeoff of Kung Fu. When you can steal the pebbles in my oh, two out of three. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We're talking about a TV show that no one's ever seen and a a magazine that no one's ever seen or remembers. Uh, I remember
1: them both very fondly.
0: Um, We've got some big news. Tony, do you want to start with our big exciting news?
1: Yeah. So I guess by the time people hear this, we'll be licensed with an AFSL authorised rep agreement. So... uh, That's a great relief for me. So we can talk more openly about stocks and not get pinged by ASIC and shut down, and it also means we can go back to putting a buy list out, which is, I think, what a lot of people have been asking for and we can now deliver. So I'm really happy that we can do that, really excited by what the future holds because of it. Um, I'm relieved it's all over. I had to sit a couple of exams and it required a fair bit of study, so that's been keeping me busy for the last four or five weeks. Um, it wasn't The exams weren't hard, though I'm multi-choice open book, so, you know, who knows. But I waltzed into the first module, which was a general sort of intro into being a financial planner and thought, I'll just take the test and see how I go. I've got 70% right, but you need 70% for a pass. So I thought, okay, better go and study this. And then um, did the second one where you had to have 100%. Um, and got there eventually, got, got like 92% the first time and then reset the test again the next day and passed. So, yeah, all good, all good. That's good. So to
0: be clear, you're not a financial planner. No. But uh, we're allowed to talk about general stuff like stocks. Yeah,
1: we, we're authorised to talk about securities and offer general advice. Right which you often hear about when people do these kinds of podcasts. They say this is general advice only.
0: But, and I um, want to give um, a shout-out to uh, a number of guys that helped us on this path over the last few yeah. months. Um, Stephen Mab sent yes. us some links. Murray Bruce was helping us out, QAV Club members. Very and much. then Phil Muscatello uh, linked us up with the guys that we actually uh, got mm. our licence done with, the through. So shout-out to all those guys for generously uh, helping out and uh,
1: getting us to this place thanks very much guys and and we went for a long time at least six months making contact with people and you know i'd send off emails and call them up and tell the secretary yeah we're doing a finance investing podcast and we'd like to get licensed like never heard anything back nothing (laughs)
0: Nothing. (laughs) no (laughs) crickets
1: yeah yeah well we finally found some people so it's good
0: Yeah, that's good. So um, we'll be able to do a lot more uh, moving forwards, which I hope will be useful for people. I wanted to say that we had a great Brisbane dinner last week. I want to thank all the guys that came along. There was about a dozen of us there, um, had a big Chinese meal, great guys, great conversation as always, as always super impressed with the QAV community and even my sons Hunter and Taylor came along and um, Hunter Uh, who hasn't been very involved in QAV, he said uh, afterwards as we're walking back to the car, wow, congratulations. i got to say, that's an incredible group of guys. That's really impressive and he really enjoyed sitting in and hearing the conversations. So, um, yeah, and and I really encourage – uh, people who don't have a QAV local meetup in their area, um, set one up. Jump on our Google mm. groups. If you're a QAV Club member, get a link to uh, those through the QAV Club member resources page and uh, set one up because I just think it's it's a really powerful tool, particularly when you have the the more experienced members getting together with the newer members and they can help them. And as uh, Chrissy has always told me, because she's a teacher, uh, the best way to learn something is to teach it. Yep. So, know, um, yeah, I think you found that over the course mm-hmm. of the show, right? As you've had to teach yep. QAV, you've had to think yeah. in a different and way kind of about it. stuff, yep. yeah.
1: And not just that too, but I think the tools have improved. You know, I was doing a lot. A lot I was doing a lot more, a lot more manually than what we do yep. now. Um, So that's good. And I think that's probably one of the key things from the meetup groups that I've observed is that, you know, someone will say, hey, here's my shortcut to do that. You know, don't bother doing that. Do this. Here's a bit of code that will help you do this quicker or whatever, which is really great. So, you know, that's really useful.
0: I also want to give a shout-out to Chris, a new QAV Club member who last week picked up some errors in both the AF version of the checklist and the Bible. So we sorted those out. Well done to Chris for picking them up. Um, if you haven't seen the post that I did on our Facebook group, check that out. At the very least, uh, download the latest version of the AF checklist if you're using that version. 1.7.7 is the latest version that fixes that. I don't think it would have made a huge difference um, in uh, how we're scoring things. Maybe the order. I, I did some backtesting on it. It looks to me like the 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 top with the new version, my top, Twenty is still the top twenty, but they're ordered slightly differently. The scoring was a little bit different, but um, hopefully it didn't uh, cause anyone too many problems. The uh, oh, you you saw a foal take her first steps last week, Tony. I think you
1: wanted to say yeah, hi. I, like I was that. just uh, talking about personal issues. Uh, people may know that I have a horse breeding business, and uh, normally foals uh, birth overnight, so you never see it. But uh, I was just working away last week or maybe the week before and uh, got a FaceTime from the guy at the stud. He said, uh, quick, jump on this foals, birthing And it was like 11 o'clock in the morning, which is really unusual. So I got to see it take its first steps, which I never do before. Normally you wake up in the morning and there's a video and a you know a bit of a blurb about how the, the birth went. Uh, but it's amazing. It really is to see a... You know, a big thing come out of a bigger thing, and uh, <laughs> and just nature just you know gets up almost straight away and tries to walk, and yeah, it's Good uh, it's amazing, stuff. Yeah, yeah,
0: amazing, amazing stuff.
1: Mm. All right, what do you want to talk about now? Uh, okay, so let me go through my list. Um, one of the let me talk about amusing. So, one of the things I've been thinking about in the last little while and is about. Uh, whether we should, whether it's, you know, I'm doing this trial on on um, rotating stocks out, the, the, the lowest scoring stock out of my portfolio and, and replacing it with the highest on the list. And uh, a lot of a lot of the, that sort of research and thinking is leading me to look at whether when something gets to about a threshold of a QAV score of 0.05, whether it doesn't become an automatic sell. And, um, so, and I'm also thinking. I'm wondering whether, like, people have asked, uh, you know, why don't we trade based on the IVs we we set for stocks? But this might be the the way to do it. Like, if we, if if we're prepared to buy something when it's above 0.1, um, and maybe if it gets to say a 0.05, which is probably going to be, you know, double the value of it was when it was at point 0.1, uh, that that might be our IV metric. You know, we're buying it when it's a Less than point one, oh, sorry, above point one. So it's maybe point two, maybe it's one point one, and then selling it when it gets to be much lower than than one. Uh, and so point point oh five is what I'm thinking. Uh, that might be our you know buying and selling according to our IV. And I did some back testing, so I went uh, back twelve months, and you know now that we have at least 12 months of uh, the downloads in the current form, I can go back 12 months and look at what the stocks were like then and then you know run forward and put the current prices into that spreadsheet and see what they're like now. Yeah. And um, certainly at, I took all the stocks that were 0.05 or, or had a lower score and certainly some of them performed well during the year since then, stocks like Macquarie Bank or Macquarie Group and I NIC, see Nickel Mines, both had good years um, and both were on 0.05 or thereabouts a year ago. But if I took all the stocks that were at 0.05, they only uh, returned 4% for the year right. against the, a boom year like the um, ASX is up 26% or something in that same mm. time period. So overall they've underperformed. So it's always been my my experience that you let them run until they turn down. And I think I need to do more research. If we, if I can identify the Macquarie groups and the nickel mines, at 0.05, like maybe there's another metric we need to look at, like forecast growth or something like that, um, or dividend yield or something, which which makes them attractive still. But certainly as a group, those stocks are, are worth selling. I think. So more research is needed, but I just thought I'd flag that maybe people give right. us their input. Right. So you're not suggesting that we start.
0: Uh, exercising that
1: yet, no
0: needs more needs a little bit more research.
1: Needs more research, but I'm just trying it out there as um, an answer to some of the questions that are being asked around. You know, how do you know when something's fully valued? Shouldn't you be selling it then? Uh, yep. Which I think are very very good questions, uh, and also to as some sort of early findings for my testing of a port- small part of my portfolio in a challenger type environment where I'm turning stocks over month on month. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I'll do some more research and, and come back with a hard rule on that one. Okay. Great. Well, that's
0: interesting. Yeah. I want to uh, thank Michael Dumbrell for his review on uh, Apple Podcasts. He wrote, impressed. My understanding of investment and results have increased substantially since finding this podcast. The Facebook group is awesome as well with everyone sharing their ideas. So thank you, Michael, for that. It all helps. Uh, If anyone else wants to leave a review, we'd appreciate it. Yeah, very much so. Hey, I had an idea earlier today. I happened to be in a a trophy shop, and um, I was thinking we should have a trophy. Uh, that we hand out every year at the end of the financial year for the QAV members with the best results for the mm. year. What do you think? The QAV trophy. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. I good don't idea. think I, I don't think you're allowed to compete, but the- <laughs> fair
1: enough. I don't, I, don't need the, I don't need the trophy. I'll just I'll just take the cash. Thanks. <laughs>
0: But, uh, yeah, so um, I'm going to get a trophy. I'm going to get it, a nice classy-looking trophy that will look good on your mantelpiece or on your desk. Mm -hmm. Uh, QAV Club Member of the Year for best results. So uh, if if you're not actively tracking your results in Stock Doctor or Novexa or ShareSide or something like that, now's the time to do it. It'll obviously have to be on a um, you know honesty basis because we're not going to yeah. we're not going to ask you to send us your list of trades and, and get it ordered, yeah. but uh, which, which yeah. means it'll be a, um, it won't be a very expensive trophy. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I think that'll be fun. Yeah, good idea. What
1: else do you want to talk about? Uh, just quickly, I spoke last week about uh, Amico Holdings and how it um, reminded me of the past when. A couple of other equipment hire companies were um, taken out, and I was talking about seven group buying, and I thought it was Boom Logistics, but I looked it up after the show. It was Coates Equipment Hire, right, which is part of um, part of their business now, and in the same sort of space as Amico. Uh, so yeah, just wanted to get that straight in case people um, before people come in with questions. Why yeah? You know, did you mean this mm-hmm. anyway? Um, that's pretty much it. I've got uh, you, you've sent out an email saying that. I'm meant to be the Keith Moon of investing. But, uh, <laughs> we should we should pay homage to the great Charlie Watts who passed away during the week as well. He did. Like the next day, I was sort of
0: kicking myself that we didn't mention Charlie when we were talking about great drummers in the episode last week. Yeah, um,
1: but yeah I Charlie Watts, a legend. The, probably more the Charlie Watts of investing. <laughs>
0: the Charlie Watts. Sit, sit oh, in that'll the be background. the title for this
1: week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> the Charlie Watts of investing. Sit in the background. Be amused <laughs> with all the front men. And uh, well, just drive drive the machine.
0: No, because you see, I think the difference between Keith and Charlie is Keith was uh, very innovative with his drumming, and he he brought a lot of flair, a lot of flash to it. You you've got a fair amount of uh, innovation that you've done. I mean, you're you know flashy like Keith. You're more mm-hmm. chill like uh, Charlie. Maybe we call you Charlie Moon.
1: Um, or <laughs> well, Charlie Keith was Watson, innovative or, too. Don't forget, he was had the matchstick well, like, style of drumming, and which is. You, probably find no one else in rock and roll doing that jazz style of well, Charlie. Yeah, did. he's just a jazz drummer who played <laughs> rock and roll, that's why. Yeah,
0: he was. He was a jazz drummer, right? That was his True. real thing. And they Yeah. But Charlie, like and then there's been millions of words written about Charlie in the last mm. week, so I'm not going to say anything new. But you know, I've I have i am a huge Stones fan. I, I but I've listened to everything again in the last week in um respect to Charlie. But You know, outside of some of those tracks like "Get Off of My Cloud," which people always mention, where he's um, doing something a little bit more flashy. Outside of that, he was just just keeping it going. Nothing, you know, not not trying to be a superstar. Just getting the beat,
1: keeping the beat, and um, did it for sixty odd years. You know, yeah, it's amazing. I'm a bit like Charlie in that he didn't want to be a rock and roll drummer. I don't want to be a rock and roll investor. <laughs> didn't think I'd grow well, up doing this. I did see an interview with him
0: um, from late in life where he said, "Yeah, I don't. I don't think of myself as a rock star. I don't feel like a rock star. I'm just a guy. Who turns up. I got a job. <laughs> I turn up. I do my job. I go home. You know, that's it. <laughs> you got to admire yeah. that.
1: Yeah, I do. Did you see the Stones at all?" Life? No, I've never seen the Stones. Sadly, yeah, I've seen them a couple of times. They're brilliant, great. Shows. Oh, we
0: were talking about that at the Brisbane dinner. I said Tony has seen everyone and multiple times,
1: mm. uh, particularly when you were living in Toronto, right? You used to just rock down to the US yeah, to see concerts, whatever. Stones in Toronto, they turned up like about a week before we arrived there, so that was unfortunate. Mm. But yeah, I saw them in Melbourne a couple of times when I was mm. living there. Yeah, I've really always saw Jagger there as well when he was solo. Touring in the late 80s, which was good. I liked his solo album. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I like Keith's solo albums more, but yeah, uh, so do I. Expensive.
0: I've always, they're great. Yeah. I've really struggled, though, to pay $300 for a ticket to a rock and roll concert. It just, yeah, I could never afford it. B, it always just
1: struck me as very un rock and roll. Yeah. But uh, it's even worse in Toronto, too. I mean, um, they have uh, StubHub and the the Scalpers. you know they'll buy tickets. There's no limitations on them. I'll put them on StubHub, and like you can pay if you want sort of front row seats to Pearl Jam or something. You'll pay a thousand bucks for it for a ticket. Um, yeah, yeah. Warren Buffett would say, "What could I turn that into
0: over twenty years? I could no, buy I'll the Rolling Stones."
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's why you. That's why you're not Warren Buffett. True. Yeah. But now I can talk about seeing Pearl Jam from the front row. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <cool. laughs> yeah.
0: Well, Chrissy opened for Pearl Jam. Did you know that?
1: No. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Because she was in a new hero. (laughs)
0: When she lived in Seattle, she was in a band. She played violin in a band that uh, opened for Pearl Jam once. Oh, my God. Wow. And she she went to Mike McCready's house afterwards, and uh, he owns a bunch of – I'm probably going to butcher this, but I think the story is he owns a bunch of uh, really rare Stradivarius uh, type and equivalent violins, so he gave her a tour of his – Uh, (laughs) very rare violin (laughs) collections, like, you know, 600-year-old violins and all that kind of stuff. Is that like come to my place and look
1: at my (laughs) etchings?
0: Yes, (laughs) probably. Uh, What else have we got? Um, You want to do your pulled pork of the
1: week and see what you can crash this week? Yep. (laughs) Well, someone asked a question on Facebook group about COG, C-O-G, COG state. Yeah. So that's going to be my pulled pork and it was up 15% on Friday and I think last time I looked today it was down about 5% again. So I'm like, holding my breath while I'm saying this. <laughs> um, and I, I hasten to add that when I did this at, um, this morning, uh, we still don't have the latest numbers in Stock Doctor even though the results are out which drove the price up on Friday. Um, so, uh, like, the numbers will need to be updated by people and chances are by the time they hear, they hear this, new numbers will be out. But anyway, the, the question that was asked on Facebook, which is worth exploring, and so I'll, I'll focus on that, is that the company on an abnormal basis lost money, on a normalised basis it made money. And yet the results were well received. So you know, what's with that? Was the kind of the question, the gist of the question on the Facebook group, mm. uh, and so that's what I wanted to focus on. So um, just a little bit on Cog State first of all. It's uh, an equipment leasing firm, a bit like Forum Finance that we talked about before, that um, was had the problems with the uh, the principals uh, defrauding the bank, NAB bank, I think from memory, and going overseas. Allegedly. Uh, so, so a similar sort of company in that um, it. it it loans business money to buy equipment, usually secured against the equipment. Um, and oftentimes, from what I can tell, probably a bit rural-based, so farm equipment, tractors, things like that. But um, you know, it's at least part of the business. I'm not sure if it's the, it's the overall business. But what I wanted to focus on is it's what's called a, a roll-up in the investing game. And so what? How? why this company is popular is because it's going around buying small leasing firms and then bolting it onto their own business. And, uh, and roll-ups have been done for a long time in the stock market. They, they work best when a listed company has a, um, a PE ratio which is higher than the companies it's taking over. And so the basic arithmetic is that um, like if you owned a coffee shop and I owned a coffee shop and they both traded on the same price earnings ratio, which they probably would if they were unlisted and they are both similar, uh, I'd have to raise as much capital as I have now to to, to buy you out, and so one plus one equals two, right? I didn't have to go and and borrow money, or um, if I if I was listed, issue sh- more shares and then buy you out. But if my if co- if coffee shop number A had a PE ratio that was twice coffee shop number B, then it's much easier to take over coffee shop number B. Uh, you. you You'd still have to issue sh- new shares, but only half the number you'd have to issue if they were um, if they were both on the same PE. And so, uh, having a higher PE ratio is really helpful if you're taking over a company. And in the equipment roll-up space, um, the, this company trades on a PE of around just under 15, so it's about 14.9 when I did my numbers. Um, and it mentioned somewhere in the in the presentation I read today that most of the companies in the space that are unlisted trade on a PE of about seven. So it's about half that. So this is a case of one plus one giving you three. So they can go and take over, you know, two companies um, that that an unlisted company could take over for the same sort of issued capital. Uh, And so that's how roll-ups gain momentum. And they're loved in the investment community because uh, they can just keep going until there's no more equipment companies left and this kind of arbitrage between high PE ratio and low PE ratio goes. And so it's uh, it's almost like value investing in reverse. Um they're they're getting valuable acquisitions because it's costing them half what it would cost an unlisted competitor to buy these companies out. So it's it's a yeah, it's it's a a good business plan. The cautionary tale comes at the end when they when they finished all the roll-ups and it's a mature business. Mm. And there's there's you know, cases where companies have fallen over when they've reached that stage. And the, the classic example is ABC Learning. Um, which was a roll-up of childcare centres done by a Queenslander by the name of Eddie Groves, who had um, one of the more fashionable mullets to come out of Queensland. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) uh, fairly naturally, I think, he went aggressively rolling up all these childcare centres, which traded on very low multiples, and because he was listed, he had a higher PE ratio and could issue script easily and take them over. Uh, When that sort of started to reach maturity, he was under a lot of pressure from the investment community to keep growth up and so um, that put pressure on a lot of accounting anomalies which came out once the company finally collapsed uh, but when when a roll up reaches sort of maturity and there's no one left to buy um, they 've got a it's very hard for them to get the same sort of growth um, out of the existing businesses they were getting when they were buying them cheaply so that 's just one thing to watch out for i i, I don 't know if we'll be in cog state when that happens but uh, yeah, that happens. There are other people doing it in the market in different ways. It's a bit like WiseTech, which is a bit of a market darling, and I think it, its share price went up like fifty percent after its results came out last week. Um, another sort of um, high-priced tech company. It's a freight logistics company, but it's been going around the world buying other freight logistics software. Sorry, freight logistics software company. It's been going around buying other companies that produce logistics software for freight companies. And using its high PE to do that, and again, you know, who knows what will happen when the when the they run out of companies to buy, they've got to then get good growth out of their mature business, and that's hard to do. So, but on the way up, it's a great ride; you get big share price appreciations. So, I just wanted to make that clear about um, Cog. The second thing is to look at its results, and uh, they're not in Stock Doctor yet, but the results that were on their website, um, first of all, they're unaudited which is kind of a bit of a surprise because most companies are releasing audited results now, and they'll certainly have to be audited by the time it gets into the annual report, which will come out in the next month or so. And and the results contain two, two issues which um, are worth highlighting. Uh, the first one is that there was a going concern clause. So the directors called out the fact that if you looked at the numbers, the way they're presented, then there's a you could draw the conclusion the company wouldn't be able to pay its debts going forward. They have a reason for that, which I'm satisfied is a reasonable reason and it's got to do with accounting principles with these kinds of equipment leasing companies. And they call out the fact that the um, the debt is treated as short-term because it's issued in the, in the year that they, the equipment's leased and it's amortised into that year. And uh, but the asset is amortized over its lifespan, which might be three or four years. So you have this mismatch between uh, current liabilities and current assets. So you have lots of long-term assets and lots of short-term liabilities. But the reality is the lease will match the life of the equipment, and um, so it's all tickety-boo. So I kind of get that. I give them, a, give them an okay tick on that, but it'll be interesting to see what the auditors say about that. So I, I flagged the fact that this could be um, a qualified audit when the audit report comes out, uh, that's the first thing. Second thing is that uh, there was also a big write down of intangibles um, for this company, which is why, as someone pointed out on Facebook, the company made a loss if you look at the the PNL. But uh, it's it's called an abnormal year or an abnormal loss, and so if you look at the ongoing operations, they're quite profitable. The abnormal loss again, again, it looks like a bit of an arcane accounting treatment so i'll be interested in what our friends the auditors have to say about it but basically it's a write down that occurred because um this they've been centralizing the the new equipment lease businesses they've been buying into their uh, an existing one and the accounting treatment for that is that the one that they purchased has to be written down even though it's still essentially going operating as it was but part of a new business and because uh, technically the Old business is being closed and it's being wrapped up into the new one. So there was a, a an abnormal write down of amortization for the goodwill on those um, past couple of purchases. Again, it makes sense. Management explained that it, it makes sense, um, but it'll be good to see what the auditors come out with. QAV numbers are good for this one, albeit we still have December 20 figures, so they may change. Uh, QAV score 0.25, quality score 82%. And some of the highlights, so I won't go through the whole lot. Uh, financial health is strong. Uh, the uh, price to cash flow is only 3.3. The uh, net equity per share is $1.09. There's no IV2, so this is not being covered by any brokers or many brokers, which is something I like because it allows us to form an opinion and get in there before the broker community have a look at it. Uh, little yield, 1.9%, but not, not great. But directors hold 20%, which I thought was good. That's a big tick for me. And uh, using the current PE, it's not the highest or the lowest, so it'll get a score of zero, which I don't think will change when the new figures come in. And it's been in an uptrend for a while, so it's not a new three-point trend-lined uptrend. So that's COG. Have a look at the new results and and watch out for the audit report when it comes out too.
0: I think the biggest thing on the scorecard that you didn't mention is the fact that their CEO is
1: currently hiding in Athens. So
0: that's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, 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 I mean, I wouldn't mind betting that the forum finance uh, customers are on top of their call list at the moment. It might be an opportunity yeah. for them. Yeah. yeah.
0: By the way, I just having a look at their price today, COG, that is it's only down 2.5%. So, uh, we're, you know, your your uh, pulled pork actually clawing back uh, some of that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not downfall. sure if it's my
1: pulled pork or my email when I send it to you and it gets you in, into your inbox in the morning saying, <laughs> Yeah, hey, I'm going to do this stock of the week. Yeah, somebody's the, monitoring my, the Chinese my yeah, the <laughs> Chinese uh, hackers are on your laptop. Yeah, short the um, stock. <laughs> speaking
0: of anomalies and numbers, though, last week we talked about ASX's cash flow. ASX, mm. their company, that is. And I yep. know you then spoke to Bailius, and you uh, had a mm-hmm. bit of an update on all of that. Do You want to quick? I know it's not in our notes, but can you
1: just walk oh, okay, yeah, us quickly sure. through one?
0: Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. For the brand new folks, I want you to know that each week we have a free episode and a premium episode. Free episode runs about half an hour. Premium episode usually runs for an extra half hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we have from our audience that week, because we spend a lot of that time answering questions. Uh, If you want to check out the premium episodes, you can go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au and sign up for the two-week free trial. You get to have a look at the premium episodes, you get to have a look at the checklist, the getting started guide, all of the video content that we have. Uh, you get invited to our VIP dinners and our VIP Zoom calls for club members. You get to ask Tony questions that we can answer. You get to get invited to our uh, Facebook group, our private Facebook group, etc, etc. So, And also we get a, a private uh, club member newsletter each week we send out as well with some stuff in it. So check that out qavpodcast.com.au but as i said if you're brand new and you want to you're trying to figure out what's going on go back and listen to season 3 episodes 1, 3 and 5, 301, 303 and 305. And then you might also want to go back and listen to season 1 as well, all of the free episodes in season 1 where we go into a lot of detail about Tony's system and methodology. And figure out if this is right for you, if it's something that you want to go further with, if you want to learn how to invest like Tony does, then you can check out the QAV Club. Uh, The other thing I always have to say is we're not financial advisors, so don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. This is just here to teach how one guy invests and thinks about investing. If you need financial advice or tax advice, please go see a financial advisor or tax advisor. Uh, With that, stay safe, good luck with your investing, and we'll be back next week.